0: Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by TaylorMade. I'm Rex Hoggard. He's Ryan Labner. We're both safely tucked away in our rooms. Ryan, how are you, pal? I'm
1: doing great, Rex. Uh, what is this now, week six of our quarantine lives? It seemed like it seemed like just yesterday or five years ago that we were at TPC Sawgrass covering the Players' Championship. And now we're uh, full steam ahead with, with nothing to look forward to, at least in the short term.
0: We actually have plenty of ground to cover today, as far as golf news, which is amazing. Anytime that happens, because the content monster is eating me to death. And he's eating you to death as well. Before we get into it, though, the after-show thing for Tiger King. Yeah. Yes. I have no? not seen it. I have oh, not I, seen it. I heard. I heard it was. I heard it was grossly disappointing. It was grossly disappointing. They rushed. You could tell they completely rushed through that. I mean, it, it, what was the use? I was so disappointed. I went back. I'm so, I'm, I'm so deep
1: now into Ozark. I, I forgot that I even watched Tiger King like two weeks ago.
0: Ozark terrifies me. Why? I can watch one a night but it, because it's so frightening. It's so dark. I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's brilliant. They're all brilliant. I think it's a great show, but I can only, like, you cannot stomach more than one. I cannot stomach more than one of those a night. It's just, it's too dark. I'm too depressed. It's very Breaking Bad esque. In the sense that things just keep spiraling
1: out of control and you, you're kind of yelling at the TV like, stop, or that's a bad idea,
0: or watch out for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both spent the week doing kind of two separate sets of stories. Mine looked at what life PGH Corps might look like without fans. You went at a different angle. After all our reporting, what did you come away with thinking the first four events for sure are going to look like?
1: I, so I, I really focused on kind of the atmosphere and as, as a case study and, and you covered this tournament, the, the 2012 AT&T national at congressional, they had that weird derecho that, that came through on Friday night, early Saturday morning. And so for the first time in PGA tour history, which is amazing to me for the first time in PGA tour history, they did not have spectators and volunteers on site at that tournament and talking to the, the players who, who played in there you might recall that, that Tiger eventually won that tournament but Tiger was paired with with Bo Van Pelt and and talking to Bo Van Pelt this week he said you know usually there's this inherent energy when you get on site and on property knowing that you're going to be playing with Tiger you're obviously playing well he's only four or five shots off the lead except there was no there was no buzz at all he said it was like driving in at 6 30 on a on a Monday morning he said it was it was such a unique experience and, and walking to the second hole he he told Tiger, hey, this has got to be unusual for you. There's only about 50 people in our group. He goes, yeah, this is this is really weird. This hasn't happened since I was a kid. And Bo Van Pelt told him, this is right in my wheelhouse. This is this is a Bo Van Pelt crowd. And so I think you're <laughs> going to have that that type of thing over and over again. But the the big takeaway from both Bo Van Pelt and Brendan De who was the 54-hole leader that year, was kind of that there was that practice round vibe. And so – Normally on a Tuesday and Wednesday, you know, you're kind of going through the motions. You've 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 done this for five, ten years. Every single tournament is the same. And then on Thursday morning when the bell goes off, you kind of get you get a little bit more energized and maybe you hit the ball, you know, five, six, seven yards further. But Bo Van Pelt told me it's it's almost like there's no outward cue for guys when there is no fans on site that this is go time and this really counts. And so he told me, which I thought was really interesting, that guys are going to have to work on maintaining their focus during these practice rounds at home when they're when they're playing by themselves. They're going to have to treat those solo rounds at home like it is a tournament round, because that's what it's really going to be like for real when they get back out on the PJ Tour for at least the first four weeks and potentially much longer. But Brendan DeJong told me that you're going to have to create your own energy. You have to get in your own little bubble tell yourselves this is the new normal and then just get on with it. But that's certainly going to be an adjustment for, for players. And I think especially the superstars who kind of feed off of that energy of the crowd to get them hyper-focused and, and get them, you know, used to playing in that environment on the PGA tour.
0: Well, and the one thing, and I covered that event at congressional, and I also covered the Zozo championship last year, last fall, which on Monday was played without fans both of those had fans. Actually at the Zozo Championship I had to walk with Tiger down the last fairway inside the ropes because there were so many fans. I mean it's it, that's more of a cultural thing that they you're not supposed to be attending a golf tournament during a day of work. But even at Congressional there was 100 and 150 people walking along whether that was maintenance staff or club you know members of the club whatever the case may be. I'm thinking after talking with tournament directors that it's not even going to be that by the time we end up at Colonial. Let's hope it's that first week of June talking with the tournament director at Colonial about what to expect. I, the fascinating part to me about all this is it's they, they're concerned about the questions they haven't even been asked yet. So the tournament director at Colonial talked about the idea of how we take temperatures. How many masks do we have to give out? How are we going to do testing? There's all these protocols that the tour is wrestling with right now. If you get down to sort of how the sauce is made, I, I talked to one operations guy, one PGA tour operations guy figures there's going to be between five and 600 volunteers on property, which is a lot more than you would expect, but that's just the basic minimum to make a tour event work. They have to have shot link. That that was not even our question. You have to have marshals to track errant tee shots and to be able to help players find the golf balls, which is something we don't even think about. You have to have evacuation bands. You have to have all of these things that go into it that all of these tournament directors are trying to embrace it right now.
1: It, it almost seems like, Rex, that the first tournament might be easier than the second tournament. And I oh, think so everyone's focused second on second tournament, Hilton Head. Why would you say that? I think you can control the environment for the first one. They have six weeks of planning for this. You can get the testing in place in terms of, of sending it seems like the testing situation is going to be you have to send kits at home players and caddies all need to be tested officials need to be tested then once you get on site you can test them at the at the um, hotel that the players are going to be quarantined in and then you can test them on site at the tournaments after that tournament is over you have six weeks of planning to get that right everything can can kind of be in a controlled environment then those players need to go travel to Town. you could Say let's just say fifty percent of the field is going to be going over to Harbortown. Then you also have a new influx of players who didn't tee it up at Colonial who want to who that want to then be at Harbortown. To me, that is the test of whether this is going to be sustainable. It's not going to be that first one, and this is not just because there's going to be, it's a, that fourteen day incubation period for the coronavirus. We're not going to even know if this is going to be a successful plan until Harbortown and the Travelers Championship, which is the third event on the schedule, that's when you're going to see whether this is a sustainable model, whether it's working, whether the testing was working, whether the players have kind of adjusted to this new normal of what they're going to see on the PGA Tour.
0: Well, and I wanted to get in sort of the finances. I mean, it's interesting to me, everyone just assumes that like every other sport, that if you just play it without fans or still money to be made, there's TV money, there's sponsors, that type of thing. That's not necessarily the case with the tour. So I want to get into that. But be, before I do that, I had a I had an agent call me yesterday and, and we, we sat and talked for a while and it was a scenario that he had come up with that. It, let's say we do start playing in June at Colonial and I, I didn't have an answer. So I wanted to throw this out. And again, completely hypothetical. And we usually don't like to, to play in this playground. However, consider this scenario where you have a player on Saturday night is, is either tied for the lead or in the lead. Test positive. What happens? Like, obviously, they have, have to withdraw. Would, they can't you play. Just,
1: you would just shut down. The, you'd have to shut down the entire tournament.
0: You shut down the entire tournament, even though that yeah. they haven't been interacted. I, I I don't know about that. I mean, oh, certainly there is, that was if there's if one, one player, if there one caddy test positive.
1: Player, if one player K test positive, this thing is shut down for the foreseeable future. Absolutely, it's
0: the, it's the NBA Rudy Gobert thing. That that's it. That, that's what precedent has been set. Uh, well, I mean, wouldn't, I guess wouldn't I'm, wouldn't you think so? you otherwise you'd have to do so much so
1: much contact tracing that PGA Tour might not be prepared to do so.
0: I, I don't know. I mean, that that has to be part of these protocols. And from what I've been told, they're probably going to come out in the next week or so, but it, it's it's all these, again, these are questions that we haven't even asked that you need to be terrified of what the answer might be, uh, because originally you're like, oh, well, he just WDs, but then you're right. Go ahead.
1: I mean, I think there's so much to be sorted out. And th- and that's the big one. To me, it's, they shut it down for the foreseeable future. If one person gets it, especially God, if you, if, if one person gets a colonial or Harbor town, that that is literally the risk of everyone when we're talking about the governors and and, and county leaders kind of reopening the economy now in, in whatever particular state you may be Georgia for instance is is reopening certain segments. No,
0: everything's fine in Georgia. Georgia beat it apparently. We're we're starting back up again.
1: I I just want to go bowling in Georgia. That's the only thing that that I wanted to do. Uh, but like that is that is literally the risk that when you reopen this and you get back started to to what feels like some kind of normal. And then you have these cases spike, and then you have to shut it down all over again. That is that is that is the huge that is the biggest risk mm-hmm. of this PJ Tour revised schedule. And so, to me, if one person one person gets it, you got to shut it down. But to me, I'm still interested to see Rex. I'm not sure how much golf you've been playing over the last six weeks, but we have there's certain regulations now that are that are standard. Whether there's there's no bunker rakes, and you can't take out flag sticks, and you have you have the cups that are raised so the ball doesn't drop down to the bottom of the hole i mean that's all needs to be sorted out by the by the pj tour and it's not as simple as just having a a a walking volunteer i mean if you if you if the ball doesn't go to the bottom of the cup that inherently changes the competition does it not
0: i i would think so again this is going to be all part of the protocols and and, uh, all those questions that need to have answers before we can tee it up you know again June seems optimistic. Maybe it's overly optimistic. And, and if I can just say, if you're going to go to Georgia for anything, it should be for a haircut. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there.
1: No, I, I, can, I, can I go bowling after I get my haircut since I'll be looking sure. so fresh? And, and go, to
0: uh, a, go to a bar as well. Hey, I did want to touch on this before we move on to the Ryder Cup. Uh, but uh, again, when you talk about the business of tournament golf versus the PGA Tour, of course, the PGA Tour wants to get back to playing golf because that's, that's a revenue stream that they do not have and that everyone desperately needs. Let's be honest with it. Talking with tournament directors, it is amazing. I had a tournament director explain to me that it, it's actually more expensive, but it will cost them more money to hold an event without fans than it would not to hold the event at all. And it really has put, it's going to put a lot of these tournaments in a very difficult position. So why would they possibly want to do it then? Oh, well, it, if you read the story on golfchannel.com, I think there's, there's certain parts of it. Talking with Michael Toth, uh, he's a tournament director at Colonial there's there's a civic pride element. I mean, Michael and Colonial want to be the first, whether if that's the first in sports or the first in golf, whatever the case may be. They you want. don't want to be the first. You do not want to be the first. In they this do. You, I, you, you, you should not want to be. Well, should and would should are, not, are two different you things. You should not want I mean, to be the guinea pig. I, and I don't know that I disagree with you, but there is some civic pride there, and they feel like they need to get back to work. This goes back to Georgia, where apparently on Friday, everything's going to be fine again in the world. I I also think there's something to be said for in the case of Heritage Talking with Steve Wilmot, the tournament director there, it's good for RBC. It's exposure for RBC. They already had one event that's been canceled, the Canadian Open. So sure, give them an opportunity. And But when you look at it from the just the, the micro of these individual tournaments, take Heritage, for example. They had already almost completed their build-out for this year's tournament when they were originally canceled. That was over a million dollars that they suddenly don't have, they have to pay but they don't have revenue coming in. Now they have to do it all over again, albeit without fans, so the build-out's going to be much, much less. So there's going to be hits across the board, which is going to be an economic reality, I think, that every tournament's going to have to consider.
1: And just quoting from your story here, Rex, so our, our listeners know exactly what, what you're talking about. You, you say, and this is, this is exactly how you wrote it, only about 10 to 15% of a tournament director's budget comes from ticket sales, and 80 to 90% is derived from Pro-Am's in corporate hospitality. So without that revenue source, the tournament director told you, it'd financially be worse to play events without fans than it would be to simply cancel the event. What do you think the the probability of having pro-ams on Wednesday is? I mean, is there a way to incorporate that and still give those sponsors that kind of once in a lifetime experience of teeing it up alongside a PGA Tour? I, I, while, while also kind of complying with these CDC guidelines? To me, to me, I think there is a way to do that, but you would also, I could see the other side where you want to limit the exposure as much as possible.
0: Uh, I do see a scenario, not at the first four. I think the first four, they're going to be, uh, for lack of a better term, this is going to be an experiment. They're the canaries in the coal mine. We're going to see how these work. If we don't run into any of these snags that you pointed out that we've talked about, then they can carry on. Now, Hollis-Kabner whose company runs actually four PGA Tour events, and one of those events is the 3M Open, which is the seventh on the current schedule, he kind of explained it to, he's planning three different scenarios. One, to play it with fans and everything else that goes along with it. Two, to play without any fans at all, considering that that's a real possibility as well. And three is something in between, and the in-between is what you just touched on. 80 to 90% of their income comes from pro and corporate sponsors and the chalets and the hospitality if they can allow some sort of limited number of that as well as some sort of pro-am where you, instead of having four players in the pro-am, you only have two. And it's pretty clear that you're not shaking hands. You're not, you're not fist pumping. Like we're going to go out, we're going to play golf, but we're going to keep our distance from each other. That's a real possibility going down the line, at least for tournaments. I mean,
1: with was just so much money tied up in in corporate hospitality and in, in sponsorship and in, in that kind of area. You would think the PJ Tour would find some kind of a way eventually to reincorporate them on a limited, as safe as possible basis.
0: Well, and if you just go through the math, so you pointed out, I mean, I think from what speaking with tour officials last week, the idea is that guys would get tested before they even get on a plane to fly to a tournament. They would be tested multiple times throughout the week. So just start doing the math right there 144 players plus caddies. So we're already out to almost 300 tests even before they get to the tournament site and then however many times they're going to be tested. Then, then again, five to 600 volunteers, let's give it another hundred tour officials, the media types. Suddenly you start talking about thousands of tests a week that need to be administered to make sure that this is safe. It becomes cost prohibitive at some point I would think. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, we've done the numbers at the players championship. We, we came with the number that it's going to be about
1: 1500 people on site to be able to, to run a tournament how you typically would on the PGA tour, even if it is this scale down TV product, which I think is what we're all anticipating when we do get back to golf 1500 multiply that then by however many tests you got to do. I think you would, you would, I think you would have to test them daily. I don't think there's any way around. You can just no. test them Monday and Tuesday when they get on site and then test them again Sunday before the tee it up. I mean, this is going to have to be a, a daily process. And so, yeah, you're, you're right. It does become cost prohibitive at some point for some of these tournaments to, to host these events with the kind of rapid, Wide-scale, large-scale testing that they're going to have to do. Yeah,
0: no, it's going to be complicated. Now, the one thing that wasn't complicated this week, and I love this. I mean, Rory McElroy is a godsend for those of us who have to still write stories. Uh, he he talked in a podcast of his own this week about the Ryder Cup without fans, and to paraphrase, a Ryder Cup without fans is no Ryder Cup at all. Agree or disagree? Left.
1: I I, com- I completely agree with that. And this this kind of came after PGA CEO Seth Waugh came out on WFAN. In New York over the weekend, and said that they're exploring the possibility of having a Ryder Cup without spectators, even doing something with a, a virtual fan experience. To me, that was so illogical, and I couldn't—I literally could not find any single fan, player, caddy, official who thought that that would be a good idea, that that would be worth staging. And look, I totally get it from the PJ of America's perspective. I totally get it from the European Tour perspective on the European side and that this tournament kind of funds them for the, for the rest of the year, the Ryder Cup, of course, every two years, but, but that kind of keeps them afloat. And if the PJ of America is losing both the Ryder Cup and punting that to 2021, and the potential of having a PGA Championship, even though it's gonna, it would still be on TV, not having spectators on site, which to me seems like the most likely scenario, seeing that it's going to be in early August in San Francisco, which was one of the original hotspots of the coronavirus, you're looking at a massive, financial impact so I could I could see them wanting to do everything in their power to make sure you have those two events but to me the Ryder Cup is the one event in all of sports yeah. that you can absolutely not afford to have spectators out
0: if, if you don't have the cauldron on the first day if you don't have the fans like they were in Paris uh, I mean celebrating after the matches are done on Sunday you're he's absolutely right I mean I, I tried to, to be the contrarian here I tried to think about it from a different angle, and, and maybe we find a way- The, the, old,
1: the only angle is the financial impact, that, that that the European tour would be absolutely crippled and potentially not be able to, to operate without the funds coming in from the Ryder Cup. That's literally the only contrarian opposing
0: view. And, and and look, this isn't unprecedented. I mean, 9-11, we switched it out. So, I mean, let's just switch years again between the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup. And it, it's a very, very easy fix. And again, I understand the PG of America probably- would love to try to do it without fans, but no, it's one thing to play the Charles Schwab challenge without fans and get guys out there playing again. It's a whole different thing. I, I don't even know how I feel about a masters without fans. So I, I think Rory is absolutely right on this one.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think playing a colonial without fans is different than it would be playing at PGA championship without fans, which would be different than playing a, a masters without fans, which is different than playing a, a rider cup without fans. To me that's kind of like the the hierarchy of of what you would want to see with with fandom and and Charles Howell the third said it best. He said, "Look, if if that's the way forward and that's how we're going to compete for major championships this year, I promise you every single player is going to going to turn up and you're do, do it what you're they not going like to like it though."
0: What's that? You're going to do it but you're not going to like it though.
1: Right, but it's still going to count the same. They're not going to have asterisks in the in the record books for a guy who wins BJ championship without fans. It's just going to be Kind of a one-off, and I think it, it potentially would open the the field to to more potential winners if you do have that scenario where where maybe you don't have that that cauldron of trying to win a major championship for the first time on the back nine when you don't have all that inherent pressure of having the the fans kind of spur you along.
0: Cas uh, coming in here, cardboard cutouts of fans on the first tee. Thank you, Cas. Yeah, that's that. or they could that's do gonna, that's going to get them jazzed. They, they could do the car. They could do actually. I think they're doing this in the Japan or the South Korean baseball league. They actually have robots as fans. That is a virtual fan experience. That is a virtual fan experience. This has been a virtual podcast experience, and it'll do it for us this week. Thank you so much for joining the Golf Central Podcast, presented by TaylorMade. I'm Rex. He's Lab. We'll see you next week.